This is the Sideline Distant Podcast, coming to you from YouTube, iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, as always, at the Brad Whitaker. I am the Brad Whitaker. Got a good one for you today. I'm going to give you my Super Bowl 51 preview, Patriots Falcons. Give you my preview and prediction. But first, let's talk about what's on everyone's mind. The San Francisco 49ers finally made their decision about who will be the next general manager of the organization. That is who other than John Lynch. Have you heard of John Lynch? Probably not. Uh, I had seen him on TV a few times and not been like, oh, that's John Lynch. But now, after he was hired by the San Francisco 49ers, I said, oh, that's John Lynch. Uh, Just to give you some background on who John Lynch is, he's a former NFL player, uh, spent 15 seasons as a strong safety. Most of those seasons were with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, He had nine Pro Bowl appearances in that time and won a Super Bowl with John Gruden. Uh, and he's currently on the cusp of being selected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and that could happen as soon as this weekend. I, I believe he's on his fourth ballot, uh, nine Pro Bowls and 15 seasons, Super Bowl champion. He has an excellent shot at making it to the Hall of Fame. Uh, but since he retired as an NFL player, uh, he immediately became an NFL broadcaster, and he's been a broadcaster ever since, and now he is making the jump from broadcasting to becoming the general manager of one of the most historic franchises in the NFL. Now, the reason our eyebrows are raised, eyebrows raised, see? Uh, John Lynch has no managerial experience whatsoever. He's never been an assistant, never been a scout. He hasn't worked with NFL personnel in any sort of way other than being a player. But one thing that happens when you become an NFL broadcaster is typically your networking skills get much, much better. Because the media is all about networking. You go to journalism school, they're like, fuck writing, you don't need to know how to write. But networking, that's important. And let's be perfectly clear here. John Lynch was signed by the Niners as their general manager because he is an excellent networker. All right. Uh, John Lynch has ties to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, after the Super Bowl, either Monday or Tuesday, he'll be announced as the next head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I've had nothing but high praise for Kyle Shanahan. I think he's one of the most brilliant, at least offensive minds in the NFL, and I have no doubt he'll surround himself with the right people and be able to run an impressive defense as well. Uh, but Lynch's ties with Kyle Shanahan because he played for his dad, Mike Shanahan, for three seasons later in his career uh, while he was with the Denver Broncos. And apparently, this is according to ESPN, a report that came out today, uh, John Lynch called Kyle Shanahan about a week ago to lobby for this job. Apparently, the Niners were not considering John Lynch, and why should they? He has no experience. He's just a former player that became a broadcaster. But apparently, he called up Kyle Shanahan and talked to him. They got all buddy-buddy. And next thing you know, that was enough for Kyle Shanahan to put in a good word to Niners owner Jed York to get him to hire Lynch as the team's general manager. Now, clearly, York was tired of this 
coach management relationship not working out with the Niners. The last three seasons have been abysmal. They ran Jim Harbaugh out of, out of town, which in hindsight was a terrible decision because we saw what Jim Tomsula did the year after. He was on a short leash, cut after one season. Same thing happened with Chip Kelly. I thought Kelly would at least get a second year to see what he can build. Uh, but all three coaches had difficulty getting along with management. Now, when I say getting along with management, I also include getting along with ownership there. But as Jed York so eloquently stated in his press conference a couple weeks ago, he's not going to fire himself. He's the owner. So hopefully York can get along better with this tandem of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, but this is so rare. This is extremely rare for a former player to make the jump to the general general manager role with zero experience whatsoever. The only experience he has is as a player. And I did some research today to try to figure out if this has ever happened before. And it's happened once where somebody made this jump without any experience between player and general manager. Uh, I was a former linebacker who goes by the name of Matt Millen. Uh, Matt Millen won four Super Bowls with three separate teams in four different cities. Uh, the, he won one with the Raiders in L.A. and in Oakland. And then after his 12-year uh, NFL career, uh, and I think he made the Pro Bowl a couple times, uh, Matt Millen became a broadcaster similar to John Lynch, and then immediately after a few years broadcasting, jumped to the general manager role of the Detroit Lions. Now, I know what you're asking. Brad, how did Matt Millen do jumping from player to broadcaster to general manager with zero managerial experience in between? Well, let me tell you. That team went 31-81 and over the course of seven NFL seasons. Let me read that again. Matt Millen, former player, four-time Super Bowl champion, Retired after 12 seasons, became a broadcaster, and then jumped to the general manager role. Went 31-81 and 81 over seven seasons with the Detroit Lions. And not a single one of those seasons was above 500. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Brad, didn't John Elway make the jump from player to general manager or president of the Broncos? Well, not exactly. Uh... John Elway ran an arena football team for seven years before he went back to the NFL and took over the Broncos. Seven years is a long time, enough, certainly enough time to get some managerial experience. I don't care if you're in the arena football league, college football, uh, Canadian football, NFL Europe, that's not a thing anymore, but it doesn't matter. John Elway did have the managerial experience he needed, and he's done pretty well in Denver as a result. But this isn't the same situation with John Lynch, player, broadcaster, general manager. Now, it's, it's unknown how active Lynch's role will actually be. It's entirely possible, and if I were Jed York, and I was hiring John Lynch, I probably wouldn't have hired John Lynch. But if that were my decision, it's possible that I would make sure that Kyle Shanahan makes the majority of the personnel decisions. I mean, there are two NFL head coaches right now who are both the head coach and general manager of their team. Uh, the first one is 
Bill Belichick. He was hired as general manager as soon as he became head coach of the Patriots back in 2000. And uh, the second one, more recently, is uh, Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks. And we know both coaches have done a pretty good job in that role as head coach and general manager. So I think it's entirely possible that Kyle Shanahan will sort of be a head coach and a general manager, whereas John Lynch, although he'll have the title of GM of the Niners, uh, he may simply serve as a consultant to Shanahan, or at least the two will be sort of a a two-headed monster in terms of making personnel decisions. Uh, Now look, I praise Kyle Shanahan, as I just mentioned. He's a smart guy. He's probably capable of doing multiple jobs, being a great head coach. Uh, But he's only run offenses, so who knows what he's capable of doing running offense, defense, and special teams, managing personnel, and working with a general manager. So, if this move is intended to give Kyle Shanahan more control, or at least ease John Lynch into his new position, I think it makes some sense. But if the Niners and Jed York still want to maintain this traditional hierarchy of owner, general manager, head coach, owner does owner things, general manager does general managing, personnel decisions, head coach, you're not making any personnel decisions, you're coaching the team, I don't think it's going to work out, or at least it's not going to work out initially. Uh... But I do think Kyle Shanahan, the Niners, got very lucky picking him as their head coach. I think that's going to work out very well. And if that's the case, if Kyle Shanahan is a head coach slash general manager, even though John Lynch will have the general manager title, if that really just means consultant to Kyle Shanahan, then I think it's going to work out. But if, again, you keep separating it, keeping this hierarchical relationship between owner, general manager, and head coach like so many organizations in the NFL, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, But we'll have to see. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. My Super Bowl preview coming up. Bowl 51 is just six days away. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the Pro Bowl last night. It was not entertaining. It's never been entertaining. They should just have a skills competition. Uh, But now that's over with and we're on to Super Bowl week and I'm going to be giving you my preview and prediction. I'm going to be talking about obviously these two teams who both had an extremely easy path of making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll, I'll go through that. both of those. Uh, the New England Patriots, uh, they did have to beat a great defense in the Houston Texans, and they struggled for, for most of the first half of the divisional round. But the Texans are quarterbacked by Brock Osweiler, and shit hit the fan in the second half, and we all know what happened there. And then they had to beat a Pittsburgh team with an elementary defense and a great but somewhat aging offense that was plagued by a week's worth of distractions. 
Now, on the other end, the Falcons, they almost had it easier getting to the Super Bowl, even as a number two seed. Uh, They beat a great but deteriorating defense in the Seattle Seahawks and took advantage of one of the weakest offensive lines in the NFL. Seattle has the youngest and most underpaid O-line in the league, and it showed in the divisional round. And then they matched up against the Green Bay Packers better in just about every single category except for maybe the quarterback position. And statistically, even that's arguable because Matt Ryan, although Aaron Rodgers certainly got hot in the late season, Matt Ryan was a hell of a lot more consistent. He started hot and stayed hot. And what people didn't realize is that the six games heading into the NFC uh, title game Everyone, All the hype was about Aaron Rodgers, but Matt Ryan still was statistically better even during that six-game hot streak that Aaron Rodgers had. So it was very easy for both the Patriots and the Falcons to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, who knows what the Cowboys could have done to f- match up versus Atlanta, but I think it's pretty clear that these are the two best teams in the NFL uh, when you look at their uh, resumes heading into uh, Super Bowl week. Now, uh, both New England and Atlanta have very similar offenses. I'm going to give Atlanta a slight advantage at running back and wide receiver, uh, but both teams have dynamic players. You know, I I think the Falcons have better receivers because obviously they have Julio Jones, and then Taylor Gabriel and Mohamed Sanu are... (laughs) could be number one receivers from most teams in the NFL. And then, of course, they have the two-headed monster with Devontae Freeman, who's a, had a breakout season last year, Tevin Coleman, breakout season this year, and both backs complement each other very well. But on the other end, the Patriots, they have three backs that complement each other very well. Uh, Deion Lewis uh, seems to be their primary back at doing a lot of different things, whereas uh, LeGarrette Blunt is their power running back. He gets the brunt of the carries. And then James White almost acts as another receiver. And then the Patriots, of course, pick up scraps on offense in the offseason, and they turn out to be incredible players. Chris Hogan, cut by the Buffalo Bills. Now he's a Patriot. Had the most receiving yards in Patriots playoff, uh, in a single game in Patriots playoff history last week against the Steelers. Uh, But again, I'm going to give the slight edge uh, with the... at the running back and receiver positions to the Falcons. Uh, Offensive lines, uh, both are top five O-lines, and then maybe I'll give the Patriots a slight advantage at quarterback uh, because of experience. I I know Matt Ryan had better statistics, but had Tom Brady not missed the first four games, it's it's likely or that he'll at least be close to Matt Ryan. But I'll give the Patriots the advantage at quarterback because of experience, because Brady's been there. This will be his seventh time going to the Super Bowl. But the real discrepancy between these two teams is on defense. Offenses are very similar in a lot of ways. In fact, I would argue the Falcons took a few ideas out of the Patriots' uh, culture, philosophy, their playbook over the last season to help build that organization. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing as their offensive coordinator. But again, their biggest discrepancy is on defense. Atlanta's strength defensively is with their pass rush, led by Vic Beasley. He led the NFL in sacks uh, this past season. While New England, they don't have the greatest pass rush in the world, uh, but their defensive backs are really, really good. They're very underrated. Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler are young. They're quick. Uh, They have that, what's his name, Eric Rowe fella. Nobody really pays attention to him, but he's great. Of course, Devin McCourty's back there. Um, 
And although they don't have a great pass rush, their linebackers and defensive front are very, very, very good at shutting down the run. In fact, the Patriots haven't allowed, and I said this before my AFC Championship preview, uh, it was 24 games, now it's 25. The Patriots haven't allowed a rusher over 90 yards in 25 games. Le'Veon Bell had, I think, like 7 or 8 90-plus yard games in a row heading into the AFC title game. They shut him down. D'Angelo Williams, he had one good drive for Pittsburgh, also the backup to Le'Veon. Eventually, the Patriots shut him down, too. So, I would say the Patriots' defense is probably overvalued a little bit because they haven't faced many great quarterbacks. Of course, they did very good against Big Ben in that offense last week. Uh, But they were 8th in the league defensively in terms of yards allowed. But more importantly, they were 1st in terms of points allowed. And Bill Belichick always stresses a great red zone defense. A bend but don't break defense. And this is perhaps... Look, the Patriots give up large chunks of yards, and I think the Falcons aren't going to have very much trouble moving the ball in the Super Bowl. But when they get inside the 20, that's where the Patriots' defense is really, truly something special. Now, the Falcons, on the other hand, their defense is 25th in yards allowed in the NFL and 27th in points allowed. But, before you say this is obvious... Defense wins championship. Patriots are going to win easily. Atlanta has held teams to 21 points or less in five of their last six games. The only player that's been able to score more than that in their last six games uh, is uh, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And they move the ball against even the best defenses in the league. The Saints suck because their defense sucks. Their offense isn't the problem. Uh, But five of the last six games, the Atlanta defense has held their opponents to 21 points or less. They're young, they're fast, and almost all of Atlanta's coaching staff is defensive-minded. Obviously, they let Kyle Shanahan do whatever he wants on the offensive end, but it is a defensive-minded staff in Atlanta, and because of that, this young, quick defense has gotten progressively better as the season's gone along, and... They're peaking as they enter the Super Bowl, or, or perhaps they peaked in the title game. Maybe the, Tom Brady will be able to move the ball, and I think the Patriots will. I think both offenses will be able to move the ball. But it looks like heading into Super Bowl Sunday, Atlanta's defense is peaking at the right time because they're young. And look, we know the way to beat the Patriots historically, and I've said this on past podcasts. You need to do two things. I'm a Patriots fan, so I've known this for 10 years, there's two things you need to do to beat the Patriots. You need to get to the quarterback. Tom Brady needs to be hearing footsteps, and you need to win the special teams battle. Now, Bleacher Report, in terms of ranking special teams, take this with a grain of salt. Uh, They rank the Atlanta Falcons number 15 in special teams, and they rank the Patriots number 7th in the league in terms of special teams. But if you take Steven Guskowski out of there and Ryan Allen, Patriots have two great kickers, great kicker, great punter. Uh, they're not going to be number seventh in terms of special teams. If you've watched them at all this season, as I have because I'm a Pats fan, the Patriots special teams is very turnover prone. And Atlanta is certainly capable of winning the special teams battle 
if Deion Lewis turns it over uh, like he did. I think he had two turnovers in the playoffs or something like that. Uh, Atlanta's capable of winning the special teams battle, and they do have a strong pass rush, so perhaps they're capable of getting to Tom Brady. Again, both O-lines are top five in the NFL, Atlanta's and New England's. I might give the slight edge to the Patriots on their O-line, and they bought a lot of time for Brady in the AFC title game. But as we saw with Houston's defensive front, which is probably the best in the NFL, it is possible to get to Tom Brady. Uh, So this is certainly an interesting game going in. You have two high-powered offenses And New England has the number one ranked defense in the league, at least in terms of points allowed. And Atlanta's pass rush is incredible, and their defense is improving, and they're young and fast. Taking all of that into account, one would think this is bound to be a close game. Uh, But I found out on the herd this morning that most pro sports bettors, these are the people that actually make money from gambling, not the people that go on uh, those websites to bet every week, the actual professional sports gamblers, they're divided on this. Those picking the Falcons have them winning convincingly because they're the fastest team in the, at least the fastest team the Patriots have seen all season, and with an offense that scored almost 100 more points than the Patriots did. And you have to remember, New England is second in terms of uh, points scored. This is number one versus number two offense in the league. Uh, but Atlanta outscored them by a lot. And those picking New England, saying they're going to win convincingly because Patriots have the experience, they have the coaching, and defense trumps everything. And Atlanta may not be as good at a neutral site as they are in the Georgia Dome. But just as in politics, if you hold two contradictory ideas in your head, left wing, far left, far right, The best course of action is probably somewhere in the middle. And we know the American politics is far from that at this point. But if you have those picking the Patriots saying that they're going to win at a blowout, and those picking the Falcons saying they're going to win at a blowout, chances are this is going to be a a close game. Uh, So I'm predicting it's going to be a close game, and let me tell you how both teams can win, and then I'll give my official prediction. Uh, The Falcons, what they have to do in order to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they need to get to Tom Brady, obviously. And uh, their head coach, Dan Quinn, he's had some success getting to Tom Brady. Uh, He's the former defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. He also coached the defensive front for Seattle a few years before that. Um, And he was actually the coach... Uh, for the Seahawks uh, when they played the Patriots in Super Bowl 49. And all, although Tom Brady did win Super Bowl MVP, uh, it was unlikely because Brady did throw two interceptions that game. And a lot of that had to do with the pass rush forcing Brady to get rid of the football quickly. And that's how Atlanta is going to win this game. If, if, if Dan Quinn's defense has a similar game to what they did against the Patriots to what the Seahawks did against the Patriots two years ago in the Super Bowl, and their offense continues to play high-powered the way they have all season, they'll win the game. You know, They also need to force turnovers on special teams. They probably need to score more than 30 points, preferably more than 35. And more, most importantly for the Falcons, they need to come in with an agile game plan so they can make those adjustments. Two weeks of prep will help. So... 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons have like three separate game plans going into Sunday, and they bounce back and forth depending on what the Patriots do, and and also depending on what adjustments they make in the second half. Now, on the other end, the Patriots, the way they win is by taking Atlanta's running game out early. How do you do that? You score first, and you force them to play catch-up. Now, something the Patriots love to do is if they win the coin toss, they defer so they have a chance to get the ball in the second half. Oftentimes, they'll have the ball in the final two minutes of the first half, and then they'll score And then they'll score again at the beginning of the second half and put the game away. The Patriots love to do that. But if you watch last week in Pittsburgh, Patriots won the coin toss and they chose to receive. The reason why they did that, they wanted to take Pittsburgh's running game out early. And if you score quickly, you force the other team to throw the ball more, veer off the game plan. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots win the coin toss if they choose to receive because... If they can score an opening drive touchdown, immediately the Falcons have to play catch-up and their game strategy might change. So that they, they need to do that. Uh, they need to confuse Atlanta's offense by disguising defensive coverages. With Bill Belichick, you know the Patriots' defense is very, very good at that. And uh, also they need to control time of possession with a balanced attack, uh, which both teams have. Both teams have a balanced attack between running and throwing. And uh, really, I think time of possession will be key for both teams. It's likely the winner there will win the game. If a team has a 5-10 to minute advantage in time of possession, that's going to be the team I pick to win the Super Bowl. So my prediction is I am picking the Patriots to win, shocker, 30-27. to Here's my reasoning other than the fact I'm a Patriots fan. And I think it's objective. Let me tell you why. The Falcons, they lost five games this season. Let me list the five teams that they lost to. Tampa Bay, Seattle, San Diego, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. Read those teams again. The Buccaneers, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs. What do all five of those teams have in common? Their biggest strength is their defense. And while I don't think New England would have the number one ranked defense if they played in a, a division like the AFC West, if you look at the the past six times in the Super Bowl, the number one defense has met up with the number one ranked offense. Five of the last six times they've met the defense one in that category. I believe last year was like that too. I believe it was... Uh, Panthers are the number one offense, and the uh, Broncos are the, uh, no, Broncos are definitely the number one defense. I have to check on that after, but I believe that's what it was last year, and obviously the defense won. And it's easy to forget, and people argue this about the Patriots, but you have to remember the Bills and the Dolphins were actually decent. Well, the Dolphins were defense decent, the Bills were mediocre, uh, but Atlanta beat up on a lot of bad teams in their division in the N- NFC South. And what happened to the Carolina Panthers last year? The reason the Panthers were so good is, and the reason why Cam Newton had a breakout MVP season last year is because that entire team was a product of a great offensive line. Cam Newton has had one top five offensive line his entire career, and that was the year they went to the Super Bowl and he won the MVP. But 
when he has a middle-of-the-pack O-line like he had this year, taking all those steps back, throwing off that back foot, it doesn't really work out well for Cam Newton. So, as we saw with Carolina, they they beat up on a lot of bad teams in the NFC South last year, and then... They were they looked like a deer in the headlights in the Super Bowl, and then we saw them this season. Now, I'm not necessarily saying the same thing is going to happen to Atlanta. In fact, I unlike what happened with Carolina this year, I think Atlanta is going to be a good team for years to come. I think since Kyle Shanahan is... Sorry, we've had a bit of a... Having some technical difficulties on the video end, um... If uh, let's see if I can start it up right now. If the Falcons are a- capable of, Falcons will probably take a step back, losing Kyle Shanahan, uh, and perhaps they'll they'll probably take a step forward or two defensively uh, under Dan Quinn and that defensive-minded coaching staff. Uh, So I think Atlanta will be good for years to come. But I think New England will run a similar game plan to what they did against Pittsburgh. Uh, Steelers have a similar offense to Atlanta. And what the Patriots like to do is take out their opponent's greatest strength, as they always do. And with Atlanta, that's the running game. Uh, They won't blitz often, but they will hit Matt Ryan hard and Julio Jones, just like the Patriots did in their first Super Bowl victory against the Rams, another very fast team. They were known as the greatest show on turf. And they won't let Julio Jones have a good game like they did with Antonio Brown last week. And I think, as I said, Atlanta is the fastest team the Patriots have faced all season. I don't think, I do think New England's defensive backs are capable of keeping up with their receivers. Uh, okay, so sorry about the technical difficulties here. Uh, but that's just the way it works sometimes. I'm using a different camera this time around. Uh, but that's it for today's podcast. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, maybe talk about some NBA, but I'll still be talking about the Super Bowl as we lead into Super Bowl weekend. Until then, I bid you adieu.